Yeah, man, it's unreal. So I remember it was like 9 a.m. in the morning and I was in bed and I hear a lot of like shoving and like screaming and like, you know, my dad was getting shoved around and getting hurt and stuff. And I go downstairs and I see four guys, armed guys, you know, shoving my mom around and I couldn't see my dad anywhere. And then suddenly I get, I go blank. I just, I just don't know what happens. And I've realized, I realized what this was. It was that, you know, your adrenaline kicks in and there's three things that you, you do actually as a human being. You either go in, strike the person, back off, run away, or stay still and just either like sorry yourself or pee or whatever. And um, for me, it was actually jump right in and, and attack. And by the time I came to, you know, I had a gun to my face. Life is an interesting journey. You never know where to take you. Peaks and valleys, twists and turns. Welcome to your next chapter. Regardless of what chapter you're in, success begins with taking ownership of the life you have. I guess I had to go to that place to get to this one. Taking back your life begins with understanding what mindsets you're operating with. In this podcast, I deconstruct the mindsets of coaches, entrepreneurs, and social influencers to provide you with the skills and mindsets to own and dominate your next chapter. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the show today. If this is your first time listening, well, welcome. My guest today is Paul Lamb. He is the host of the Path Hunters podcast. He just released a book that hit number one on Amazon. The book is called Gun to Your Head, From Gunpoint to Car Crash, Real Life Stories of Overcoming Adversity. In the podcast, we dig deep and heavy into the book. We talk about the experiences that Paul had that allowed him to write this book. And so without further ado, here is my conversation with Paul Lamb. Paul Lamb, welcome to the Your Next Chapter podcast. How are you doing today, brother? Good, man. Thank you for having me here in your podcast. I appreciate you for taking the time and letting me uh, speak to your audience and uh, speak to you. Well, I said when you published your ebook that I would put you on my podcast and help <laughs> you to promote it and talk about it. And that time <laughs> has come. And so a man true to his word. I want to talk to you about your book because that's a huge accomplishment, man. You put out a book onto Amazon, and uh, where did you hit on the bestseller list? I know you got above Bill Nye the Science Guy, so how do you feel about this so far? Dude, it's, uh, it's so surreal right now, right? I hit two, uh, hit in two categories, number one, uh, Amazon bestseller for um, creative creativity oh, oh, oh. and self-esteem, prop, prop. <laughs> and go, yeah, end up beating like Stephen Pressfield, Tim Ferriss, Ryan Holiday, Bill Ahmed, Bill Nye, um, you know, and like Ryan Holiday. I saw at one point. I was like, oh my god, this is unreal. So, how does it feel beating all those, even if for a moment in time, beating all those guys that guys you read, Tim Ferriss, Ryan Holiday, Stephen Pressfield. You and I have talked about Stephen Pressfield a lot. Like, how does it feel to be above and ahead of them for a moment in time with that book? How does that make you feel? It feels like amazing. Like it feels like, you know, suddenly what seemed to be impossible, like, you know, meeting all the, like, you know, talking about these Titans, we mean, you always talk about or like Steve Pressfield a lot. And, uh, and then just, the, just even beating them for a slight moment is actually feel, feels really good because it shows like just as a momentum boost. I feel really good about it. Amazing. And yeah, that's the thing about those guys is just like we put them on this pedestal in a league of their own, right? But it doesn't mean they always have to be that way is what it comes down to it. And so, yeah, like it's amazing that you've been able to get that out there. And so give the audience a bit more context about your book. Let's get into it. Um, yeah, what do they need to know? What is the title of it and what do they need to know about the book? Let's get into it. 
All right. So the title of the book itself is called A Gun to Your Head from Gunpoint to Car Crash, Real Life Stories of Overcoming Adversity. And uh, I wrote this book with the one single message of telling everyone who's reading the book that adversity can be your greatest teacher. You know, we both know that there's so many things that you can get through your successes, but it also breeds ego, um, greed, you know, arrogance, and like so much more. If you're winning all the time, you never get to experience the humility and the, you know, learning aspect of just experiencing an adversity, right? So this is why I wrote this book because like me personally have been uh, quite a lot of um, adversity in my own, you know, my own life as well too. So I wrote this book based on my own uh, life and different stories and each chapter is a story and a point in my life where I experienced something and at the very moment like you know it's you are going through some adversity and it feels like the world around you is crumbling but then suddenly suddenly you know when you're looking about looking at backwards you know when you're looking in hindsight then you know, it's not so bad. It's, it's actually, you can learn a lot from it. You're able to think differently. Like for me, like I got laid off twice by the same company. All right. And it was unreal. And at the time, you know, if that didn't happen, I would have been still that guy that was working his corporate nine to five and saving for his retirement at 65. But it's actually a blessing to disguise, right? Because like now I'm able to think differently because of that adversity, right? So this is what I'm hoping that everybody who reads the book will um, uh, achieve and get out of this book. And I read the book before this podcast. I loved it and as a little bit of homework and due diligence. But for the audience members that haven't read the book, talk about where the book starts and where it finishes. There was a lot of things I didn't know. And I was just really intrigued and blown away by how you opened up and shared. So I feel other people should have that experience. So talk a bit about that. Yeah, like, uh, you know, I wrote the book between the, the years of 2012 to 2000, roughly 2016 or so. During those years, it was just a series of events, a bunch of things just happened. I don't know what it is, but it was just a rough couple of years. And so, you know, new graduate, you know, went to work for an insurance company, was happy about that and get laid off. You know, I got laid up twice by the same company and uh, and a lot of learning, a lot of you know experiences. And um, the biggest one I wanted to put in there is that you know I went through after being laid off twice by the same company, I worked odd jobs and you know got into a car crash. You know a car to me like I'm a car guy. You know growing up and that was the space for me where I can actually sit in there, drive around. It feels safe. Right? It's like a safe space there where I can hide. And the moment where you know a deer jumps out of randomly and just destroys my car, and I was completely lost and it was like I felt like my world was actually crumbling around me because like I lost my safe space so you learn a lot from these kind of stuff so what I learned from all that was like you know I didn't you know holding materialistic things into that kind of value really doesn't define who you are it doesn't devalue you in what you know in any way and so each you know, chapter in this book there, I write specific lessons that I've learned from everything. And, um, the next one after the car crash is actually, it was held at gunpoint, right? I was being held at, you know, gunpoint and, um, you're robbed basically, right? You're yeah. living in your home and your parents were home that morning. You were in bed from what I remember from the story basically. And then, yeah, tell the story. Like what, what happened there? Yeah, man, it's unreal. So I remember it was like 9 a.m. in the morning and I was in bed and I hear a lot of like shoving and like screaming and like, you know, my dad was getting shoved around and getting hurt and stuff. And I go downstairs and I see four guys, armed guys, you know, shoving my mom around and couldn't see my dad anywhere. And it's suddenly 
I get, I go blank. I just, I just don't know what happens. And I've realized, I realized what this was. It was that you know, your adrenaline kicks in and there's three things that you, are, you do actually as a human being, you either go in, strike the person, back off, run away or stay still and just either like story yourself or pee or whatever. And, um, for me it was actually jump right in and, and attack. And by the time I came to, you know, I had a gun to my face and, um, did and you not my... see these guys were armed when you went down there or was this something that kind of you just instinctively did this and you were you knew there was guns but you weren't acknowledging the fact of what a gun is i didn't i, I didn't even like you know realize they were armed until like by the time i came to and i uh, had something in my face right and um it was it was nuts because like i complete like honestly it was such, such an interesting feeling looking in hindsight now i couldn't remember what happened until um, I was standing in front of my mom and, um, and a gun being pointed at my head. And then you're just, when you finally come to, you're like, holy shit, there's, there's a gun in my face. And like, and we were pushed to the kitchen and I was laid down in the kitchen floor. And I was just thinking to myself, I had time to think and, and what felt like an eternity, honestly. But, you know, I was thinking to myself, like these guys literally have control of my life. You know, this guy can pull the trigger and it could be over with, right? And my train of thought just goes all over the place with this. Like, and then it comes to this one conclusion was that, you know what? I, I, when I, if I, if I get past this, if I overcome this and when I make it through and if I live for the next day, I will do everything I can to be the best that I can be to, to achieve whatever I can get and like take advantage of every opportunity I had. That was the promise that I made myself at the time. And, um, you know, again, another blessing in disguise, but like, you know, I, mom, dad, and, uh, and me, you know, walked away safely and, um, you know, got, we just lost some like possessions, money and stuff. But again, we walked away with our lives, right? It's nothing. That was like, honestly, the blessings. And it taught me so much from this one incident that was like so extreme that I would never wish this on anybody, but like, does it really have to be this extreme? to to for someone to understand the concept of this i kind of asked myself that and so this is why this is why the conclusion of like the book right so you know i then realized that you know i, I didn't realize it but like i was going through a very traumatic experience at the time i read afterwards my mind kept thinking i was in danger and i was getting night sweats i was sleeping less i was like not not in the right frame and uh, i still remember the promise i made to myself so i had to overcome this and um going through like some mindful meditation exercises and uh, experiencing some self-love, practicing gratitude, um, but being thankful that, you know, my mom and dad and everyone around me is still alive. And, you know, that at the end of the day, like we can always replace items. We can never replace lives. And um, I'm just grateful for even like the littlest things that I get to live, I get to breathe the air and stuff. So, but like I said, it doesn't really have to get to the point where it's this extreme for someone to learn this. Right. And I, I, I firmly believe you, you don't have to go through this experience to learn it. You can always learn from other people's experiences. So I went through that, overcame that. And now, you know, honestly, like there's other things as well, too. So bad breakups. Um, and then, you know, that's pretty much it for the whole entire book. But, you know, that's what I really want. The abortion in there, too. Right. Which is another point that was pretty traumatic for me from the description of it. Yeah. Yeah. So so that part of it was, you know, again, really hard to write about, 
really, really hard, but I really wanted to write it because I feel, I felt like this thing is like, it's, it's, it happens quite frequently and not talked about. Well, I don't see it, quite honestly. And so I really wanted to talk about it and talk about it in a way from a guy's perspective. And um, during that time, I was with my girlfriend at the time and, you know, found out that she was pregnant and all, it really separated us based on mindset. It made it very clear of like who, who I was and who she was, right? When she got the news, right, she was actually freaking out. She wanted to abort it as soon as possible. This was like on a Saturday she found out and she wanted to go into the clinic ASAP and take it out and, and just, you know, was not willing to have, she was thinking more about like, I'm still in school, I don't have a job, my parents are gonna kill me. But it's, it's funny because like if you look at my, from my perspective, I actually sat back and I was like, okay, okay. So I think we should work two jobs, build the business, try to make this work because you know we adapt, you know, this is, this is a life and it's coming through and stuff like that. And uh, let's do our best and let's, let's make a game, like a, an attack plan here, right? But like the difference was like I was looking for solutions and looking for different ways of how to pivot and stuff because like things come at you in different ways, right? And, and you you don't stand there like a deer caught in the headlights, where like she was, I would you know would say, and um, she was only focused on on just getting the abortion and just continuing with her life and stuff, and it was just a very very. Um, you know, fearful experience for her and everything. But that actually made me realize that, you know, my relationship with this woman was that that there was a huge difference in mindset, right? That really affected our relationship in the end afterwards. You know, the abortion went through and, um, you know, our relationship didn't get better. It just got more toxic. It made me realize that, you know what, I need somebody that who is mentally tough who has a strong mindset that was able to pivot, look at different ways and stuff. And um, she was not the one. So that breakup happened in early January when I was tossing and putting together my podcast. And we broke up and I walked into uh, work that day because that was a Saturday, sorry, it's Friday and I had to work Saturday. And I was not happy, I was not in the right place and it just made me realize that this corporation also has control of my life. It was not, you know, I had to be there from nine to five and I couldn't, you know, leave until, you know, until that was it. I had to ask to go to the washroom and I, you know, or else I don't get paid or anything. So I really didn't like that feeling of being controlled in that way, right? And most of us don't see this, right? And so I dedicated my my life to, to, to focusing on building, um, you know, a lifestyle of a business where I can take my freedom back. But again, like it just doesn't really have to get to this extreme point for everyone to, to, to just learn the lessons, right? Do they really have to go being held at gunpoint? Do they have to go through the abortion? Do they have to go through all this to actually learn something? Right. Um, some would say yes, some would say no. In my opinion, like, you know, you can always learn it from other people's experiences. Some would, you know, may have to go through it themselves. And so it's um, quite interesting in that perspective, really. Well, it's interesting because my dad always says that there's two ways to learn. You can learn from other people's experiences or your own. And there's definitely more than two ways to learn. But anyways, that's his philosophy. But <laughs> his whole thing is that I've always chose to make my own mistakes and not learn from others. And so 
the reality of it is like Tony Robbins says you always need emotional fuel. And the reason why most people need an extreme situation for them to move forward is because they need to get their back against the wall. Yes. They need to have that emotion of like some massive pain point. And then that is typically when they get the motivation to move away from that pain point. So whether everyone needs to get to that point or not, I believe we learn way more through experience and just doing it. And I'm not yes. a huge you know, you can pull lessons from other people, but I just don't think they stick as much as what it comes yeah. down to. And right. so, so yeah, what have you found? I'm curious to know, like, because you, you're, you're sharing this book in a way that, and it's early, but you want people to learn from your lessons. How has been the response? Like, do you feel that people can learn from these lessons? Like, is there value? Like, I think there's value because I reflected on it and definitely empathize with it. But what is the value for people going through? Is do you feel like they can learn from your experience? Is that what it comes down to? Yes. So I, I feel like people can learn from Lisa, from reading the book and, um, and taking away the exercises and all the experiences that I've learned to myself and, um, practicing it. I, I structured the book in a way where it's easy to read. It's easy to understand. And, um, and there are things that you can actually pinpoint and stuff. Um, so, you know, I've the feedback on it as you know, so far and it's, again, it's been like, the second day since it launched, but third day or something. But um, it's been amazing. Like, you know, one person said that she actually cried for me because like she, you know, from the abortion, she actually never went through it, but she actually cried for a moment. Like, this is like one of the books that she, in her words, was that, you know, it really tugs the emotions. And it was almost as if like, I, I exactly what I really wanted it to do. Cause again, you really need to tug at it a little bit. And I really wanted to do that because um, there's, there's not enough, people writing books on real life experiences and stuff and um and willing to go the extra mile to share literally pour out everything they have right and and i feel like you know i'm willing to to go that extra mile and share it out because if it helps at least that one person that's all that matters to me so when you're talking about the abortion um you're talking about how you were ready to pivot work two jobs start a business really make this work right and he said he found out a lot about your girlfriend at the time because she was so set on getting an abortion. But how how do you feel like for her? Because it's like it is her life. Her whole life would have completely changed, right? It would be yes. complete. Like having that baby, it's just like – and it didn't, doesn't sound like she was at a stage where she wanted to go through with that, right? She still had her plans of where she wanted to go. And so in the end, it is her choice, right? And that must be frustrating. But – you must empathize with her because it's like, in the end, it's like if she chooses not to, yes, you're killing a life and I have mixed ideas on abortion, but mm -hmm. in the end, it is her choice because she gets to yes. choose how she lives her life, right? And so yes. you really can't hold that against her. No, no, not at all. Not at all. And it wasn't, it wasn't in a way where like I didn't like it was our breakup wasn't because of that specifically, but it was just more about like, you know, like long term in the future was this going to last and stuff based on like where we are in life and our mindset and stuff. But it was it was just very it really separated us and maybe it made it very clear. But no, of course, I would I was never I was very, very, you know, very cooperative. I wasn't like going to like be like, hey, hey like, you know, you were just going to hold it for nine, nine, nine months. Right. So I wasn't going to hold it like you know against her or anything like that you know it was her decision i wasn't going to force her and i understood from her point of view as well too she was you know her mom she was she, you know her mom and dad and everything she lives with mom and dad goes to school um 24 years old and you know and just studying and then again like this would be a massive change in to her life and like in like so many different ways right and the thing is like you know 
it's it's crazy how 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 this kind of stuff would happen, and then for us to realize that, like, if it does happen, usually we adapt naturally, right? And then there are those who just literally, when they're faced with something massive like this, all you want to do is stay safe and hold back and and stay where it's comfortable, right? And again, like I, I totally get it from her point of view. Like I wasn't gonna like force her to like hide or anything like that. But like it was just a pity because like it was just like it wasn't, you know, the baby's fault or anything whatsoever. It was just more so, you know, like it was like for me and like my views on that and for abortion is so strongly now and like, you know, I'm super against it now. And I've always been, but like I've always like now experienced it, I'm actually even more against it. And but again, like it wasn't I, I Took her to the clinic. I made sure she was safe. Um, I wanted to even walking into the clinic. I wrote a little bit about that. Walking to this clinic, it was very, very um, daunting and very uncomfortable for me because I saw so many young couples in there that were just, you know, it was always the same expression. Like the girl felt shame. She felt, you know, very sad. She was very, you know, angry. You can tell, like, you know, there was a lot of crying there. And whereas the man, you can see the man's, you know, the male's faces was just more like as if, like, oh my, like, like, like sympathizes as well too. But like they had no, almost like they couldn't do anything as well too. But like they're more like they really wanted to make sure everything was okay. And they was just, it was just. There's just so many faces when you see that I just I just almost couldn't take it. I almost just couldn't take it. I was just I was just wanted to break down and cry and I was just I just couldn't do it. But but I really wanted to put this chapter in there because there were so many people from that room where people don't talk about this. Like they do not I never hear anybody mention it, talking about it or anything like that. So that that's why I really wanted to add it in there because like I wanted to let everyone know that that whether you do this or not realize that you know it is a lesson to be learned right there is something there for you to understand that you know we have to take responsibility for the, our actions and stuff right and um you learn from it you grow from it and then you you just basically keep moving on what was the most difficult aspect of that day waiting just the waiting the waiting I was waiting, I was hoping like somewhere in the in the line, like, you know, somewhere in the waiting room where she would reconsider or she would just be like, no, or, or something like that or something, something, you know, it was just like, again, like it was just, you know, that life didn't do anything but just wanted to live, right? And, um, and it was just, it was just, it was just, you know, that was more the most difficult time, just seeing those faces, just waiting. That waiting was tough. You were hoping that something would change, that last minute there was, like, inside of her something would come around, but in the end it didn't happen for you. Yeah. But you were keen to have the baby, it seems like. You were, you're still to this day right on board. Like, you would have taken on that role, and it's not something that you wanted to shy away from. Yeah, exactly. I wasn't going to shy away from it, but, you know, like I said, like, it was um, – you know, I, I was thinking of more ways that, like, I believe in pivoting. I believe in adapting. I, I've, you know, you know, I'm sure me and you personally, we have like friends who has like children and babies and stuff, and they they've incorporated it in their lives, right? They're they're usually fine afterwards. It's, it's that alone is an adversity that you've overcome, right? You you have this experience. Now you have to go through with something. You're faced with the decision to either, you know, step up to the plate or you don't, right? And 
you know, I've seen so many single mothers who are just rocking it and killing it, being superstars out there, single dads as well too. You know, our mutual friend Tuan was, you know, one and, you know, and it's just superstars and inspiration and it is possible. Right. 100%. I do want to shift gears a little bit here. And so I want to go back to when you, the day you were robbed at gunpoint, one of the things that was interesting to me in the book was you said when you were on the floor, it felt like an attorney in there. Basically, you, your mom, and your dad were on the floor. The robbers were running in the house asking, where's the jewelry? Where's the money? Taking everything they could. But you made a vow to yourself that day. You said if you got through this, that you would be try to live a life to be the most positive impact possible. And so I want to know from that moment, A, have you lived up to that vow? And B, like how have you taken on that vow for yourself? Because it sounded like a very profound turning point based on the book and how you wrote about it. And it seems the journey that you're on, you've really stepped into that. But I want to know more about that. So talk about that resolution that you made with yourself when you're on the kitchen floor being robbed. Yeah, like it's... Um... That was an interesting moment for me where, where I'm laying there and your mind is racing at like, you know, 100 kilometers or 100 miles an hour and you're thinking of different things. And, and I just thought to, like there was points where I thought to myself, like, were these guys really bad people, right? Were they really bad? No, like they weren't bad. Nobody's born in this world evil or bad or whatever, right? They're due to the circumstances in their life. They do what they do because based on their past experience, right? And and I came to the conclusion where I was like, you know what, there was, I knew that eventually there was gonna be a choice that I was gonna hate these guys forever and hurt myself from it and 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 just let it breed this 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 negativity in there. Or I can make the choice, consciously make the choice and and impact people's lives in a positive way through this story. Right, because I did learn something from it, and I did have time to look back on it. Right, and did, did get through it, and then, and then, am I really stepping into it? I, I, I I'm <laughs> like I, I, I want to say I am, but I'm just like barely scratching the surface, barely scratching the surface. Right, and um, and yeah, like it's, it's. I came to that conclusion because, like I said, like it was a choice that I needed to make. Right. I made that choice at that very moment laying on the floor. Right. That that these guys are doing this because they're, they're whatever circumstances in their life, you know, drove them to do this. And then they may, you know, to them, it may seem like they didn't have a choice. But we both realized that everything is a choice and everything in our, our lives is, is in our lives because we attracted it. Right. So I wanted to make the conscious choice to to be better and be higher than this instead of let it breed some negativity and hate and, and just this, this, this thing. Right. So, and so what was the lesson that you learned on that day? There, man, there was like, it was that you do have a choice, right? The biggest lesson from that is like, you do have a choice, right? And, and uh, it's not going to be an easy choice, right? It's cause there's a lot of restructuring. There's a lot of changes that you need to make, but yeah, everybody has a choice. That was the biggest lesson from that experience was that, you know, I can choose to be there or choose to be higher from that. And that's important. And in the book, yeah, you talked about the necessity to keep moving forward, right? And that's important too, right? Where you're really, you know, you were compelled to start living a more positive life. And it's like, 
I think you wanted to teach people that really like you didn't want to feel like somebody could take your life away, not on your terms. Right. And so it's important to be able to, like you're saying, to choose and move forward and stand up and live for the life that you believe in. And so kudos to you, man. It's not an easy transition to make. And it's uh, I acknowledge you for that. Thanks, brother. I appreciate it. And so now being the guy that's put out a book on adversity and it's like you're kind of Mr. Adversity, so how <laughs> is your for people like that are struggling with adversity, like what is your process now? When adversity is coming up in your life, what does that look like for you? How do you embrace adversity in your life? Um, be present in it, all right? Be experience it to its fullest because, you know, um, there's always a quote out there that, you know, this too shall pass. Um, and I, I like that. I like that quote very much. And, you know, a lot of most of us are always going through something, whether it's like, you know, like breakups or whether it's, it's, you know, like, you know, car crashes like me or something like that. But, you know, at that very moment when I was experiencing all this, it felt literally like my world's crumbling down. But, you know, understanding that, that now, like the process to get move on with that is, you know, understand like you got to settle with this. You need to, you need to take a good, hard look, right? It may seem like it's the world's coming down around you, but they will pass. And once you once it does pass a year later, you have to really look hard. What kind of lessons that you learned, and and it's already it's already you've already learned it already. You've already internalized it in your body already, because like for me, after like the layoffs and stuff, I had to think a different way, right? I went to you know chapters and, and look for different books and stuff on how to amass wealth, right? And that alone in itself was enough. It was just like that boost, that kick for you to go do that. And people, we do that um, whether we know it or not. So, so there is always a lesson through our adversity. So the process is that, you know what, make that conscious choice to, to take time and be alone with this situation after once it passes. And once you, once you pass, once it's passed, look hard on like what, what were you like before the university and what you are now, right? Because for sure you are two different people, for sure. And, and then pinpoint of like exactly what did you learn, right? So, you know, I learned a lot from my universities and then I learned a lot on self-love, right? Appreciating myself more, you know, and realizing that you're not alone, right? I was never really alone, right? I felt like it though. But I was never really alone, you know, I had like, you know, you and like Jay and everyone else. And like, I'm sure like, you know, everybody always has someone, whether they know it or not, it's always there. So reach out, right? Reach out, talk to someone. And once you get past and not be the victim anymore, you're able to, to step up to the plate and then take on a new you now, right? So I hope that that's it. <laughs> And did you, is there any process, like do you journal, is there any way that you have a, um, a way that you work through this? Yeah, so, you know, like, it's, um, it's, 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 it happens in different stages, I would say. So, so if you're just literally going through, like, just say, like, go for example, like a guy that's, you know, recently had a breakup, right? It's going to be a terrible, terrible thing for him. He has to go through it. He has to experience it, feel it, and, and realize that, that, you know, this relationship is over. People tend to dwell in the past a lot, right? So, so understanding that you're not a time traveler anymore, 
or whenever it was, but never. But you're not you're not time travel. You can't go back in time. You can't change the situation, right? Uh, take a look at that situation. Look, sit down, and even like writing it out. Grab a piece of paper, write out what really happened in that relationship. So mine personally was that I was never present with you know my relationship. I was always trying to build something. I was always focused on other things. I was never really there, right? And and I pinpointed down after writing it out, and um, and I was not, you know, letting go of the past, and then writing it out, and then pinpointing it, and then and then realize and then inter- really internalizing it, right? So for me, it was like I was never really present, but now doing exercises on on being present. It's so important for me, and now it actually works in my favor because whenever I go on a date with someone, or like I'm with like friends and everything like that, I put my phone away. I'm always they have my full attention. I'm always talking to them. So you learn something from it, you grow from it, and then you go from there. So, so I would say like number one thing is like let it go, right? Realize it's in the past now, right? Write it out what really happened in the situation, and then and then and then how are you going to move forward? Right? How are you gonna the next actionable steps that you can do? So for me, it was that you know what I really wanted to practice being present, right? Being present. So whenever friends consciously put your phone away and lock it away or something, right? Um, and then over time, you can actually learn these habits and strategies, right? You can internalize. You you do it more and more and everything. So later on, you you know, again, it's really hard to like pinpoint. What you know, because like there's so many adversities and stuff. And later on, like now today, I have more like morning routines that sets me on a good day. Um, drinking water, writing out on my journals, you know, meditation, breathing exercises, and everything now. But again, like it just depends on the situation. So that's why like I really mapped out like where, what, when did I learn these kind of exercises? You know, so yeah, love it. And so one of the, you talked a bit about in the book when you, after the robbery, that you had a bit of a shock and stress from the incidents where you couldn't sleep, you were sweaty. And so you actually went to a therapist and you talked a bit about how she was able to guide you through some stuff. So what did you learn from that? Because it sounds like she helped you identify some meditations and really like have concrete tools to really process what happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so the, the, the police department had like a therapy, free therapy, um, uh, you know, therapist uh, on uh, on site for you and everything if you're going through a traumatic experience. So I took them up on that offer, and I could swear that the first day I was just like she was telling me, it's like you know what, we we're gonna practice some mindful exercises. I'm like, oh god, this is gonna be awful and it's gonna suck so bad but she actually made me go through the exercise and then closed my eyes and did some mindful meditation by feeling um the texture of my clothes the 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 feeling of the sofa and everything and she actually told me to practice more mindful meditations and she really assessed me really hard on seeing like you know how traumatic i you know i was and she said so you know you were you are going through this experience you are traumatic you're going through a trauma traumatic experience and it's normal and these are ways to naturally go through it and stuff. So, you know, for a while, you know, when I left after meeting with her, I thought that was really stupid. But I thought, what did I really have to lose? And I wanted to try some of the things that she suggested, right? Uh, she did have some concrete stuff, maybe that, and that's why she's a therapist. But, you know, sat there, tried it, tried it. And for about two weeks or so, um, you know, things were getting better, right? I was sleeping more. I was, you know, getting – my mind was – 
understanding that you know the 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 robbery was already over, right? My mind couldn't differentiate the past. That's the thing. Like it was constantly waking up like the 2 a.m., 3 a.m., and and always thinking I'm in danger. I'm gonna get shot or something, right? And so and so practicing that and bring your mind to the present moment really really helped, and I really firmly believe that now. And so. After when I realized after two weeks of practicing this, that it really shifted my life and allowed me to clear up some space for me to tackle on and keep hold of my my promise to myself, right? So, so that was very very um, interesting um, part, you know, overcoming that. But I really had this conscious like conscious decision to go and overcome it. And so I always ask my guests. If your life was a book title, what would be the title of your book? I typically add this at the front of the podcast, <laughs> but we went right down the rabbit hole of the book. And so you just published a book. Would your book be titled um, what you currently have, or would you have a different book title? No, it would actually be this, though, because I really, really – that was like the one extreme situation in my life where, where it almost – tilted and shifted everything for me so you know i wouldn't be where i am without that incident quite honestly so gun to your head is exactly where my title would change it is actually so <laughs> well yeah. and it created the ripple effect right of you lying on the floor and making a decision to be a positive impact right and you taking that on and so you know without yeah and the car crash and the abortion like these adversities that you've experienced right you're now leveraging these and teaching other people about them so that way they don't have to face what you've gone through right we talked about being in the podcast about making sure that you, we can learn from the people's experiences we can get our own emotional fuel but it can become in a much more healthier place and doesn't have to always mm -hmm. come from like an extreme situation so that's amazing man thanks man i appreciate it yeah no i agree with you and chat a bit about path hunters so you're also a podcast host what is path hunters yeah, Path Hunters. Oh man, I love it. Uh, path Hunters. Uh, yeah, let's start with this. What, okay, okay. What is a Path Hunter first, and then we can get into <laughs> what the body. What is a Path Hunter? What is your definition of it? Because I, I have my own definition. I kind of get it, but I've never asked you. What is a Path Hunter? Yeah. So Path Hunter to me is um, it's a very special, endearing word for me. It's it's someone that is that they know that the life was paved out for them is not for them and they intentionally hunt for the knowledge to seek out their own path in life right so it's a very active word right and um so a path hunter to me is someone who's intentionally choosing their own path and finding the knowledge themselves and actively building that lifestyle for themselves amazing it's living your dharma i just interviewed my favorite yoga instructor teresa and she talks about dharma and it's living your life purpose right and she talks about how she started yoga studio new market 13 years ago when it was not as cool as it is now to have yoga studio but she knew that was her life purpose and her dharma right and so a path hunter is somebody that's really connected to their life purpose and living out their dharma is what you're saying exactly yes amazing and so now what is the path hunters podcast <laughs> so, so I created the Path Interest podcast, right? For is all dedicated to helping individuals to, you know, find their purpose and passion. To, you know, I interview entrepreneurs, digital nomads, creators to capture their their journey, right? Their process, not necessarily their 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 end goal and what they do today and stuff, but more so like their process because we hear a lot about, you know, Uber and stuff, the billion dollar company and stuff, but we never hear about the the 
uh, hours putting how much Americanos you drank at Starbucks, you know, the, the tears, blood and sweat and like lack of sleep and like all the grit and grind that everybody goes through, right? And then to achieve your dream, right? Sacrifices and everything. And I, I believe like the process is so important to capture. And uh, it's so, so cool. If people listen to Path Hunters podcast, are they going to hear you ask the guests, how many Americanos do you drink a day? Is that like part of the question protocol? <laughs> no, no, it's not. But it should be, actually. It should be. You should throw it in there. Be like, what is your fuel? How do you get through the day? How many Americanos? <laughs> that's going to be on the next interview. Now. Yep. Because that's my next question. So how do you get through this? Like, how do you, you've been working like a mofo and <laughs> I believe you recently even got Adderall, but what is your, how do you get fuel? Like, because you've been off the charts lately. Yeah, like you know what? Like I've been, I'm I'm that guy. I am that guy that I just told you. Like I am grinding and like getting grimy and dirty. Um, waking up at like seven a.m., hitting the gym, and then finish up at eight or nine. Going to the Starbucks, getting my daily dose of caffeine of like americano, and uh, opening my laptop and just doing whatever I can and holding that promise to myself when I was on the floor, and. Um, it's so it's so cool because like my day consists of all that you know americanos and and just you know focusing on the goal and and trying different things and then getting back to my audience you know on the podcast to tell them what works for for me and this may work for you and, and just documenting this whole entire process so you know uh, on, on a daily basis i know mentally that you got to drink uh a human being can only consume a thousand milligrams of caffeine so i'm Slightly under that, let's just, let's just say. But but there are days where it's questionable. But um, <laughs> but yes. So you're maxing out your caffeine intake, okay? Maxing out caffeine intake. I um I'm taking um a Ritalin actually. I looked it up. So Ritalin. So we <laughs> we talked about this before. <laughs> yeah. And so and I guess we could piece it together. But I'm curious to know, like, what is your motivation for? Like, where does that feel come from? Like deep inside, what is it that you know, is it due to the fact that that day on the kitchen floor or is there a deeper fueling purpose to building what you're building? There, there is a deeper uh, purpose. And then it's, it's actually the first time I'm sharing with anybody whatsoever. Um, the biggest thing was that, you know, the driver is that, you know, my parents are immigrants uh, to Canada here, right? So they're, they're Vietnamese immigrants leaving a war-torn country and uh, they gave us everything, right? They gave me and my little brother everything. And I felt like it was just a, a pity not taking the most, you know, taking all the opportunities that's given to us here in Canada and maximizing and doing whatever you can to be the best you can to inspire and help those as much as you can, right? So that is the that is the main driver of my of my motivation right now. Motivation. My, yeah. Awesome. And last couple of questions here, last or second last one. What is the best book you've read in the last year or two that you'd recommend for the audience if they were to get into something? What's the best one or two they've come across? Do the work, Stephen Pressfield. I read that in like two days. It was unreal. I never read that fast. I'm a slow reader. So it's an amazing book. Do the work. Got it. And I can vouch for Stephen Pressfield. I haven't read that one, but I've read a couple of his books and they're all amazing. Cool, man. So if people want to track you down or the book, where can they find more about Paul Lamb, Path Hunters, or the book you just released? 
Yeah, so everybody can find me uh, at pathhunters.com, and that's where I usually hang out. And uh, if you guys can add me on Facebook as well, too, so it's Paul Lamb, and it's a picture of me smiling. And, uh, you know, you can find me on uh, Instagram as well, too. I'm pretty active on there, so pathhunters on there as well, too. Um, yeah, and the book itself is called Gun to Your Head, and uh, it's on Amazon um, pretty much everywhere. And, yeah, grab yourself a copy and stuff. Cool, by the way. Thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with me and my audience and talking about the book. I was re I'm really excited I had a chance to connect. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast, man. I appreciate you, and I've got nothing but love for you, man, and appreciate the opportunity, my friend. Thank you, man. Until next time. Peace out. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, conversation with Paul Lamb. I thoroughly enjoyed that, and I hope you did as well. The big takeaway from that podcast is how to overcome your adversity. And so what I want to point out to you about overcoming your adversity is the three things that Paul outlined when I asked him that question. And the first thing he talked about was letting go. And he threw out the quote, this too shall pass, which ironically happens to be on my desktop as the quote that I have on my computer. And so the thing too important is that when we have adversity and it hits us in life, we have to understand that we will move through it, that there's going to be something on the other end of it. And so that's the key thing to focus on as he highlighted. Secondly, he said, be present to it. It may feel like the world is falling apart and everything's crumbling around you, but you need to settle with it. You need to come to peace with it. You need to have a resolution with it because if you don't come to terms with it, it's going to continue eating you up. And so he says you have to acknowledge it and be present to it and live in it as opposed to trying to escape from it and go somewhere else and disconnect. And that could be physically or emotionally. And sometimes we might use drugs or substances to let go, but that is not the way to process this. And finally, he said, reach out to people, talk to people about it, and share what's going on. The way that Paul's created a book and he's used his pain points to create a platform for himself and a book to talk about his experiences, to let people know they're not alone. Because the more we reach out, the better off we are. And it reminds me when I came forward about being bisexual, how alleviating that was all the shame and stress in my life. And as Brene Brown says, if we put secrecy into a petri dish and we douse it with shame and guilt, it's going to grow exponentially. But if we put that same petri dish of secrecy and we shine it with light and we expose it, that secrecy does not survive. It dies. And so our emotions are so important for us to let go, especially when we have very difficult emotional times, like Paul talked about the abortion or getting mugged at gunpoint when he went through some stress there afterwards and how to have a therapist. So it's important that we process these because if not, these things linger in our emotional body and we hold on to them a lot longer than we need to. And they really just hold us up in life as opposed to letting us move forward. So there you have it, my conversation with Paul Lamb. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you enjoyed that, I ask that you pass it on to somebody else who may need to hear it. It is the one way this podcast continues to continue to grow. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And until next time, I look forward to having you on the show when it's episode number 50 and I have some amazing guests coming on. I'm super stoked for who I have lined up for episode 50. It's going to be bonkers. We're going to throw it down really hard. And I feel the guys, there's two of them I'm bringing it on, that we're going to get into some really amazing shit because these guys are causing a stir in the world. We talk about social influencers. These guys are creating a dent. So tune in for that episode next time. I look forward to having you here. Take care. Much love for now.